With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases give me cash back. My credit card purchases give me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation, sir? PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. And welcome to the Fatback Four. Um, there's no football this week. The international stuff doesn't count. It's not real football. And we've decided that during the week. So what we're going to do is this show is all about Jurgen Klopp. Um, Jurgen Klopp is three years in charge of Liverpool Football Club as of last Tuesday, I think it was. Um, so with me this evening, um, I have Mar- Marty, I have Grizz, and I have Ian. And we're going to go through, I suppose we're going to go through Jurgen Klopp the three years from day one and probably a few days before that. Right up until now, and the outlook we have for Liverpool Football Club under his tenure. Um, let's get into it. Um, on the 8th of October 2015, Liverpool agree a deal for Jurgen Klopp to become the new manager. It's a bit of a surprise, um, as Jurgen Klopp had just finished up with Dortmund a couple of months previous. And he was on a break, apparently. Um, Liverpool managed to turn the screw, get, a, get, a, get the job done, and get him in as a Liverpool manager. This comes on the back of Brendan Rodgers' um, you know, a near-title near win in 13-14, you know, an indifferent kind of spell, uh, 14-15. And then a start, I suppose, to the season where, you know, he's, I think after eight games, he has 12 points. His last game in charge is a one-all draw at Everton, um, Goodison Park. Um, lads, the 8th of October uh, 2015, as I've said before, a significant day probably in the history of Liverpool Football Club. Ian, I come to you. With Rogers looking on the way out, and, um, you know, the day before the Everton game, the rumour goes around that he will be sacked. And that Jurgen Klopp is the man Liverpool want. Had you got mixed feelings with Klopp having to leave, or not Klopp having to leave? With, with, with it looks like Rogers leaving the club, but, but Klopp being the man coming in. Did you feel a little bit sorry for uh, Brendan Rogers, or were you just it was a pure excitement? To look at this manager we've just got. No, I didn't feel sorry for him. He fucked up. Uh, he was he was good for a while, but then I think we start. Listen, when, some, when someone's riding on the crest, crest of a wave, everything they say seems like 
you know, very, very, like, intelligent and real good foresight and all that. When you start, when this, you start to tilt a bit towards, like, it, not performance at, to the highest level, you start to sound a little bit trite when you come out with stuff. And he started to come out with stuff that just, it, it was just bullshit, basically. Like, we would have to play this that we knew we were after and we wouldn't get them and he'd say we're not after them and all that. But, but uh, he should have went after we lost against Stoke 6-1. End of. That should have been it. Gone. But enough about him. Anyone who knows me previous to even like before this podcast or anything like that will know that Jürgen Klopp's like been one of my favourite coaches for a few years. Massive, massive fan. If I could have picked anyone, I would have chosen him. Uh, when the rumours started going around that we were linked with him, I couldn't believe it. To be honest, I was so overjoyed. I think he was on he was on Ali for four months, right? And it was supposed to be a year, but I think certain things just fit. And it is persona, it is, is passion, all, all of the things, it is, is ethics, all that. They all, they all align themselves with our club. He's a perfect manager. And I don't think, and we will get onto it later on, but I don't think there's too many clubs in world football that wouldn't swap their manager for somewhere else. But I think Liverpool are one of those clubs. Maybe City, possibly even a Atletico Madrid. And then I think you're struggling there to find someone who won't swap after that. So we're in a very, very envious position. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Grace, Ian said there that, that, that you know it's. I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing him when I say it, it's a rootless game, and Rogers' time has run out. But for us, you know, I, I've seen fans of, of opposition clubs because I remember it. I remember it well when when this was rumored that Jurgen Klopp was going to be the next Liverpool manager. I remember other clubs posting on, on social media, certain platforms, and saying, do they honestly think they're getting Jurgen Klopp as the manager? And, you know, all these laughing, crying emojis. Um, but this, you know, I hate to use the, the term statement of intent, Grizz, but this was a massive, massive move from Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, um, I just want to comment on your beard first, Gav. It looks really nice. Keep it. Yeah, man, I will. I will. Thank you. I'm just a lazy cunt. Come on. My little nice to keep it. Um, yeah, I remember um, when um, Rogers was sacked, and then the rumours at the time I remember were it was either Ancelotti or Klopp. I remember it was like, you know, they were saying, oh, is it going to be Ancelotti? Is it going to be Klopp? And I remember at the time, not sure, I'm going to admit, I wasn't totally convinced that I wanted Klopp over Ancelotti. You know, Ancelotti being one of the you know the world's greatest managers, or well, presently and of part you know of his past credentials as well. So you know, I remember at the time thinking, I, I'm, I remember I was thinking that if fans, you know, other clubs fans saying that we you know we deluded thinking we're going to get Klopp. Well, if we weren't going to get Klopp, we probably would have ended up with um, Ancelotti. I think the other name was that stupid knob, wasn't it, Martinez? From uh, was he at Swansea at the time? Was he at Swansea at the time, lads? I think he was, wasn't he? No. no I don't think we were linked with him after we got Rogers. He was linked when before we got Rogers, wasn't he? I yeah. Think yeah. I think yeah. So, I mean, either way... Dave Shons was linked a bit as well, I remember him. So, either, yeah, so my point being, either way, we were linked with big names. So, it was always going to be one of the most crucial decisions of FSG's tenure. And 
it's, I think it's safe to say, and I think we're absolutely over the moon to say they made the best decision possible. Because as Ian says, um, at where we were as a club in terms of stature, in terms of uh, on the pitch, off the pitch, I think he just sort of, um, I, just, I just think he fitted everything what she needed at that stage of their ownership as well. So I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant decision by FFP at the time. Yeah, it's for me. It's a thing where you know a lot of people have thrown around. Oh, FSG went for the cheap option with Rogers. They, you know, if you look at the Daglish tenure where they bring him in, they, they look at it and they spend they spend a decent amount of money with Daglish and and they get rid of him. It was a real Marty. It was a real kind of it, it was the next step. It was the it was the next level sort of move from from the owners, wasn't it? Yeah, I think this is you know they had they went. FSG took the club over. Obviously, they had a money ball policy. They wanted to go with a young manager. They wanted to try and do it, you know, the fresh, you know, a fresh way, a fresh approach, you know, kind of build low output, you know, uh, sorry, low input, high output kind of thing with transfers, managers, etc. And I think, you know, the, the penny finally dropped for the club. Um, you know, if they wanted to to compete at the highest level, they're going to have to, you know, get the best that's about. And, I think then now, you know, Jurgen Klopp is one of the best managers in the world. I think he's enhanced his profile as much as he's helped us since he's come in. Um, I, I think, you know, I think the boys have summed it up beautifully. Um, you know, they, they, the two front runners were obviously Ancelotti and, and Klopp. And I think certain managers need certain climates to, to thrive under. And I think if you look at Ancelotti, and I don't want to call Ancelotti a checkbook manager because he's much more than that. But the rumours were that Ancelotti wanted to completely strip the team down straight away, and it would have been huge investment from day one. Whereas Klopp was happy to kind of you know look at the team, see who he could keep, see if there's any he can improve. And I think you know looking at Liverpool the way they operate and the way that, that Klopp operates, that as Ian and, and Grizz said, you know it's just it's a perfect match. I think anyone that knew Klopp before here at Dortmund could see it, and I, I think it was it's the best sign in Liverpool Football Club have made in a long, long time. Yeah, it it is, it, and if you count it as a sign, and it's it's a massive move. Um, just the, the the Ancelotti thing is interesting because you know he wants to strip the team back down. You know, Ancelotti. I don't know if he's known for that, but he, he would have a certain way of playing. He probably looked at that squad and thought, no, I want certain type of players. He wasn't willing to take the time to work with them, and we probably hadn't got the time. You know, um, we've gone through Rodgers and 13, 14. We we'd lost Suarez. We we've got a significant amount of money at the time. In and we we spent badly. Let's be perfectly honest about it. So we needed to we needed to make a move on this and we with Klopp, and, but we also needed to bring someone in that could work with the squad that was there, improve them, improve what was there, and and over time, I suppose, and we go on to talk about this later. Over time, develop that squad. But look, I move. You know, come on to the first game under Klopp, and I remember where I was. I was sitting in the pub watching it. Um, on my own because I went down to watch this. I wanted to give it me full attention, and I wanted to see is there any change. You know, I think he, I think he's appointed on the eighth. I don't think he plays till about the twenty second. I think it is, um, or maybe it's 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 a, it's a week or so later because it's, it's during the international break. I think, but in the team that day, right, is Mignolet, Klein, Sacco, Moreno, Skirtle, Milner, Coutinho, Lalana, Lucas, uh, Jean, and Origi. Um, and I'll tell you what I know was doing. First off the bat, for the week going into the into this game, it was about. Oh, Lallana, you know, we won't be able to keep up with this he, he, this heavy metal football that was bandied around for a week. And Lallana ran the legs off himself and came off after about, I think, I'm guessing here, about 75-ish. And you could see straight away Klopp had 
uh, way of playing. He had a way he wanted his players to react to him. And he got it from the outset, didn't he? Because he pressed the life out of Spurs in a nil all draw that day. Yeah, I think out of, it, out of every player we had, I think Lalana bought into what Klopp was after. Right away. I mean, he was the first one to do it. We spoke about it in the past, how he, he was the trigger for the press and people would follow his lead and stuff like that. So we got into it. I remember him coming off and Klopp hugging him and he looked like he was about to go unconscious. He was that, he was that tired. But uh, it, like Klopp said, like, he didn't try and change too much in the first couple of weeks because you, you just can't in, in a couple of weeks. Do you know what I mean? Even more, so, there's still some more right players in that starting eleven. There's some drops, but there's still some more right players. I think where it really shows that how much we've improved is you go and have a look at the bench. The bench was terrific. Really poor bench. It had like uh, Jordan Sinclair was on it as well, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you the bench, Ian. Uh, Bogdan, Carlo Torre, uh, Randall, um, Alan, Oyeb, Teixeira and Jerome Sinclair. Yeah, it's, it's shocking, isn't it? Shocking. Most of them don't play top flight football anymore. That's how bad that bench was. But uh, in in a short space, was it Spurs nil nil? Was that the game? Spurs nil nil was the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not a it's not an easy fix there. Pochettino got them well drilled and stuff, and I think he just wanted to keep it tight. If you did offer them nil nil before the game, I think he'd have bit your hand off for it. But you didn't really see too much change. You could see little bits of. Like we say, Lallana running his ass off and stuff like that, but it's very hard to get a grasp of a manager like in just two weeks, you know what I mean? But like, think it was more apparent which players bought into it immediately, do you know what I mean? And then there was other players that were never gone And like like the likes of like Lucas, he couldn't he couldn't play clock start. He hung around longer because he was useful as a utility player and he was a really good fella around the squad. But he was never going to be able to play the high intensity. He, he weren't quick enough, couldn't cover the ground. Whereas Lalana could, do you know what I mean? Plays like that could. So I think he saw early doors what type of player he was looking for. But it, it takes a bit longer than two weeks. Like, yeah, it's just um, just when, I, when I'm talking about the difference, I could see um, it was literally they tried to swarm all over sports and the work rate for me, like he probably is going into that game thinking, right, I don't really know what I have because he's not planning on this job. So he's coming in, he has a week to look at them and he's thinking, what do I have? I'll put these out on the pitch and I'm going to just make sure effort, effort, effort and pressing and give everything you possibly can. I think he'd be happy going off that pitch. Does he take a nil-all draw at the start? He probably does. Does he take a one-nil defeat? He probably does. But he wants to see, he takes a one-nil defeat in, in the circumstance that them players gave everything for me and I know I... I can rely on them for for a certain amount of things. Now, as we go along in the piece, you'll see that certain players and disappearing, um, some quickly, some not so quickly. Um, Grizz, he, he he starts with spores, all right. He goes on and I think he draws with Ruben Kazan. Um, he loses the Palace at home. Um, and then the one the, the game then that comes is the four one away at Man City on the twenty fourth of November two thousand and fifteen, and this is one where. For the first 30 minutes, you've seen Klopp's football starting to kick in and kick in at an unbelievable rate because they tore City apart for 43 minutes of that first half before Aguero gets one back, if I remember right. But are you seeing then, Grizz, early on, this is what he wants? And all the people that spoke about it, about his style, 
um, it's coming to it's not coming to fruition, I suppose, but coming and it's having an impact a lot earlier than you would have, you or me or, or or the general fan base would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know you read out that team and you read out that subs bench, and you know Carlo Ancelotti, Carlo Ancelotti was right, wasn't he? He, I mean, he was right to want to fucking strip down that squad because that was one horrific squad, and. I, you know, I actually think, looking back now, without reminiscing over his first sort of uh, year, well, he came in at, what, what, he came in a couple of months into it, didn't he? Um, but now that we're reminiscing, it's so underrated the job that he'd done in that first season and how far he took us. Because you've got to remember, he took us to two finals with that squad that we've just mentioned. And, you know, we, we puked up at the subs bench. Um, that Man City game, that Man City game was... You know, last week we talked about all this Chelsea game when we played Chelsea a couple of weeks ago, and I was salivating over how quick Sarri's had an impact at Chelsea. Well, it's very similar to how Klopp had an impact at Liverpool because, as you mentioned, it was only into sort of... I don't know exactly what game week it was that we played that City 4-1, but that's when we saw the vision that he's got for this football club, for this football team... The, the famous gag and pressing. I mean, City, to this very day, haven't recovered and haven't worked out how to play against us. It would have been, it would have been Grizz, the, I think about the 11th league game of the season. It would have been his fourth in charge. Fourth or fifth, something like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I remember watching that game and thinking, fucking hell, if this is the journey we're going on, on with Klopp, then I'm all up for it. Look, it was breathtaking. That that was when it first we saw evidence of it really clicking. I mean, we talked about the Spurs game earlier, but even the Spurs game, I don't know if you guys remember, but we had enough clear-cut chances to win it. I think Phil Coutinho misses near enough an open goal when it's laid across him or something. and So that would have been an amazing start. But that Man City... That Man City game... And, 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 and I think... Was it was Pep into his second season at that time? At City? Because Pep, Pep would have had a year, season with City... So he would have known his players far more than Klopp uh, knew Liverpool uh, as the Liverpool players. But still, Klopp had such a major, major effect on our players. And most, I know it's a cliche, but they really, you could see the players busting a gut for this new manager. And that was a very positive sign of things to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that game, for me, it showed how he wanted his team to press high. All this sort of stuff about pressing triggers and and Lallana was, was at the forefront of it. Again, that player that people thought, no, he won't be able to keep pace with this. But he, he's the trigger. He goes, he wins ball, you know. And they play around City. They really do. Um, I think it's the third one where he does a lovely back heel, heel from Jan, puts in, uh, it might be Coutinho, he, he, he knocks in Firmino, but it was outstanding football. Um, Scarlett scores a beautiful volley as well to make it 4-1 um, early enough in the second half. Mary, I'm going to move it on a little bit because... The, let's be honest about it, without the red tinted glasses on, there was a big media love-in with Klopp when he signs, um, when he signs on the dotted line for Liverpool. Uh, you know, he's, uh, that loss to Palace is kind of overlooked. You know, it's not his squad, th- different things like that. Um, they're going along in this, in Euro- in this Europa League campaign. Um, but the, the, Ma- the Man City one, it, it's, a, it, it's a big win. But if we, if we throw it on about another month, um, it's the 13th of December 2015. And what happens there is we have West Brom at home. Um, and, you, you know, the love in is continuing and continuing. And this is probably the first bit of, um, 
I don't know if it's if it's bad press he gets, but it's a little bit mocking is the word I'd use. They get a late goal, a late deflected goal to, to make it two two at home to West Brom, and Klopp brings the 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 team and subs to the cup afterwards as if to to salute them as you know kind of a bonding exercise I suppose. When you seen this, did you cringe a little bit? Did you think, okay, that's how we do things, or was it was it an act of defiance? What way did you find this? Because for me, it was the fourth time I seen. Not people torn on Klopp, but, but mock, him, mock his ideas a little bit. Yeah, by, by all accounts, in, in the Bundesliga, it happens quite often, that kind of thing. They're very appreciative of their of their fans over there. Um, but, I mean, look, you've got, uh, as Liverpool fans, you know, you kind of sometimes have to forget what the media say or forget what rival <laughs> fans say. You know, we had to look at the bigger picture at the time. And, you know, let's not forget, like, he's still early in his tenure at Liverpool. Um, and, you know, the fan base at the time is still... Yeah, we're still hurting. Obviously, we've just had a you know a real couple of average seasons under Rodgers after the title hunt. Um, you know, I remember when we um, I don't know if it was still this season when Klopp came in, but I think you know the home game against Carlisle was it in the cut where we went to penalties and it was just horrendous. And I think it was uh, a week before or, or a couple of weeks before we just lost at home to Palace, was it? Um, yeah. And Klopp came out quite publicly in the press conference and said that you know he saw the fans leaving and that's what the eighty second, 83rd minute, and he you know, he said he never felt quite so alone. And then what he got from that were the fans stayed until the very end. You know, that Origi goal was deflected. It was a shit game. The fans were there to the night, to the till full time. And that was Klopp and the players saying, look, we've seen that reaction, you know, and we appreciate it. And you're going to get the rival fans, you know, giving it, oh, look, you know, they're celebrating the draw against West Brom. But you know, fuck them. You know, this was that, that moment for me was the moment when, Jurgen Klopp, the players and the fans bonded. That was when you know Jurgen Klopp sent out a rally cry to the fans. The fans answered. They bonded. What did you say? They bonded. Grizz is what he said. Bonded. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Klopp sent out a rally cry, a rallying cry in the press conference, and the fans answered, and that was his way. You know, you remember he's not English. He's he's German. They have their way of doing things, and that is his way of saying, you know, I appreciate it. We know you're there, and, and and that was a you know I think that was a big part in creating the bond, Grizz, between the fans and Klopp and the team. Um, so yeah, you know bollocks to what everyone else says. Yeah, bollocks to what anyone else says. Yeah, you, you have the right attitude. Um, Deb, do you know? Can I just find there? Of course you can. You do anyway. Go on. Uh, do you know? Do you know what it was? If it if it continued doing that, then we could have said it's cringe, and we'd. You know, we don't really appeal to that. It doesn't really appeal to our story. But the fact that he learned from it very quickly, he saw he saw the reaction from media and etc. Right, he he done it for a purpose. It wasn't going ever going to be a regular thing like he had it at Dortmund. Do you remember he 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 specifically said, "This is Liverpool. That was Dortmund. It's totally different." Right. But you've got to remember there are some things ingrained in him in terms of how he bonds players and teams and crowds and unites them. And this was just one incident or one sort of act that he'd done with the team and the players all together. I don't think we did it again. I don't recall, unless it was like an amazing victory like the Dortmund one, where sort of it was a special special occasion. But I don't think we'd done it. We haven't made it, we didn't make it a regular thing. And that was another sign of Klopp always looking to learn and adjust to sort of this new culture and this new league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like Marty said, it was just his way of doing things. And I, uh, even to this day, I think about it and think, 
probably wasn't when I looked right thought probably not for me at the time. But now I look back at it and think he can do what the fuck he wants. To be perfectly honest with you, he can start throwing players into the fucking cup for all I care. Um, but you know the, the season was going on. The, the the results weren't too bad. Some some good, some bad. But it was it was an indifferent season as it went. But the, it, people were waiting for this breakout manic game involving Liverpool where it absolutely go off the rails and, and Klopp has looked like he's enjoying every single minute of it. That came on the 23rd of January and when we went to Norwich, um, <laughs> an absolutely ridiculous game of football to be perfectly honest with you. Ian, um, we win that game 5-4 if, if, if my abacus is working properly. Um, Lallana scores in the last minute. Uh, January signing Stephen Colker is, is the man causing all sorts of um, trouble in the box but I remember going for all in the last minute and going, oh, for fuck's sake. And then Lalani just pops up and bangs her in. You're thinking, oh, yeah, I'll have loads of this every single week. Were you the same? No, he doesn't want to talk to me. All right, that's okay. Was that a question? No, no, it wasn't a question. I was just telling you something. I was telling you about my big shop I done on Friday. Um, don't worry about it. Um, oh, good you went? Oh, I went. I was gone to do the big shop. I, I forgot something on Friday, so I went off to get it. I'm back now. Did you get Jaffa cakes? Uh, Did you get Jaffa cakes? No, I don't eat them. Don't eat them. Ah, shit. Yeah, it tells you what you got today. Did we ever... We did discuss our, our favourite biscuit before, didn't we? We must do that again, because I think things have changed. It's moved on since we started this pod. Biscuits have changed in the last 12 months or so. Well, Ian, my question was, that, that, that Norwich game is 5-4. We, we, we concede in the last minute. Then we go and score in the last minute. And it's, it's Bedlam. Klopp's glasses are getting fucking all over the place. There's a pile on on the sideline. Were, were you like me? Were you thinking, yeah, I'll have, I'll have this every week. 5-4 every week will do me. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? It's like Klopp ball, isn't it? It's, and to be honest with you, yeah, I don't think I could handle that every week. Uh, do you know what I mean? I'd look even older than I do now if that was the case every week or, or I'd have like, some sort of seizure or whatever. But I think the, the best part of that game, we were woeful at the back, but we were brilliant going forward. And that was kind of our, our, our style on the clock for the first, at least the first 18 months. But it was just the reaction of everyone when the line scored, top off, fans going mental. Clock going. I, we've never had a manager like that. You know what I mean? Go, we we had years of Rafa who wouldn't smile. And then Gerard Ullier, who you know what I mean, wasn't much more animated than than Rafa. Brendan Rodgers didn't really get involved. Kenny Dalglish wasn't a big celebrator really. So this was the first time we'd ever had a, like a tracksuit manager in. Someone who was like fucking mental. You know what I mean? And, and would jump in the crowd and and would egg everyone on. And when Milan scored. And he ran straight over to to the to the boss, the gap or whatever. I think sometimes you see that happen, and I think it's a show. You I mean, but this wasn't. This was. They all clearly loved the, the new boss. You know I mean, they all wanted to impress him, but they clearly loved him. And he, he, his respect for them was reciprocated by him going mental and smashing his glasses, and it's ridiculous. And some people outside of Liverpool tried to say, "Oh, he looks like an idiot doing that," but there's not a single fan who doesn't want their manager to show that sort of passion when they score a last-minute winner. There's not a single fan who doesn't. And, and we, we had them, do you know what I mean? The, the start of football, it, it was coming along. We, it, at the beginning, he looked quite naive defensively, but it, he's proven since then that that wasn't the case at all. It was a work in progress. But 
it was more of the, the highs and lows early on were, were a bit more a bit more obvious to me, but that that was tremendous, right? That was tremendous. But on the other side, it was almost the exact opposite when when we lost the way to Bournemouth. Do you know what I mean? It was up and down all the time. It was it wasn't always it wasn't always an easy watch, like. No, it wasn't always an easy watch, and uh, I suppose it's good to look back at it now and the progression from October 2015 to now and the different styles, the different players he's used, um, the different mentalities he's had going into games, the different ways he's tried to blitz people at times, and other times nullify a team, nullify them, and when we nullify them, then we'll hurt them. It's progressed as we've gone along. Um, I'm ju- I just want to touch on one more thing for this season because I will get. I know. I know we were in two um, two finals in this season, but and I want to get to the finals in general near the end. But but just um, just one one thing I want to touch on, and it's it's the way it's the way for cup run or Europa League run or whatever they call it now. Um, and you know how lucky I suppose Grace, how lucky is he? Not so much lucky, but he draws he draws United. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, we do that all right, we're, we're okay there. But it's the Dortmund game, how lucky is he, I suppose, in his fourth season, to have a game like that, where we're one all going into the into the second leg, we go 2-0 down early, we go 3-1 down, and we manage to come back and turn this around. How look, how good is it for a manager, Grizz, in his first couple of months, to have that sort of game where Anfield nearly falls over with the emotion that's going on. It's, it's I, I still watch videos to this day of it. Um, where it's just pure raw emotion and, and belief in a team and, and so early in his, his managerial career at Liverpool, a belief in the manager that anything is possible. Um, that game, is, is it really big to me, even yeah, to this uh, day? Yeah, do you know what is that game sort of um, kind of proved the method to his madness, to be correct? All that um, fist pumping during the early part of the season, the celebrations, what Ian said, uh, Norwich, they were sort of just you, they were genuine, and and all that sort of rallying cries that he'd done and waving to the crowd and everything, that Dortmund game was kind of the the cherry on the cake for everything he had tried to work towards in that first season in terms of getting everyone together, and people can say what they want, but you don't come back from sort of games like that and the performance in the United game and, and the rest of the comebacks he made without having the players, as we've discussed before, really, really working in bollocks off for you and believing. Do you remember that first season coming to the year? That was when he started the uh, the doubters to believers phrase, didn't he? I need, we need to start you know, being, turning doubters from believers. Yeah, he, said, he, um, says that, he says that in one of his first interviews and, and I, th- I think it actually comes back up near the end of the season, you're right. And it's amazing because, as Ian says, what 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 Klopp, what Klopp was to us was sort of us fans, but actually managing the club, if you know what I mean. He was representing the fans' passion. What we sort of uh, the the reactions we have on the terraces. He was actually playing that out on the sidelines in in the coach's box. And everyone thought he's just a passionate fan who just full of fist pumps. But then as you know, as we found out later, well, in in, in the last sort of 12 months ago, there was always method to his madness and it was progression. And we were seeing it sort of every month, the progression the team was making. And, you know, that Dortmund game was just sort of, for me, it was the finale and it was, it was a sort of the cherry on this cake in terms of the plan came to fruition, all the crowd was together, stay till the end. Because you've got to remember, I think we were, 
at one stage three goals behind, will be three goals behind on aggregate or something at one stage. And the crowd never left, kept singing, and, and, and you know, it was, it was, he was proved right in the end, wasn't he, in terms of, you know, we need to be together. Yeah, I think I think like you'll see Klopp has been at Anfield in a pre-season friendly with Dortmund, and he spoke when he when he signs about you know Anfield's special stadium, special club, you know special atmospheres, Anfield under the lights, all this sort of stuff. But but I think being the manager of Liverpool Football Club on a night like that is completely different to being you know um, not being the Liverpool manager and seeing it from the outside. I think being involved with that much emotion against his former club as well, you have to remember. It, it was something I think was special for him, and I think I think it opened his eyes a little bit as well. As much as it opened their eyes to him, I think I think it opened, um, I think it opened, you know, his eyes to us as well. You know, it just it, it just it was a perfect thing to happen to all come together on a night like that. Um, just to close off that season, um, we finish eighth because I think we gambled on the Europa League, and it doesn't really happen. We finish eighth. We actually finished behind Southampton and West Ham, which is fucking madness to think of nowadays. Um, well, I'm going to go into 2016-17 season, and, and Marty, I'm going to come to you first. Um, there's a lot of changes. Um, he brings in Mane, he brings in Karius, Matip, Clavin, Manninger, and Wijnaldum. Um, the list of players that live... Uh, you know, you've Enrique, Torre, Rossiter, Texera, Sinclair, Yesel, Canos, Skertel, Oyeb, Alan, Smith, Benteke, Alberto, Balotelli, Alori. Um, he, he does a clear out. Um, he's taken this he's taken this seven months of football to, to really look at a squad and decide, right, this is who we don't want, and, and, he, and he does it. But we start the season, Marty, quite well. We've, we, we've won last in the opening 13, and, and the standout performances, I suppose, are, are Hull at home 5-1, Watford at home is 6-1. And at that stage of the season, I think it's early November, it's probably the first week of November, Marty, and people are talking us up as these are playing electrifying football. Um, you know, we're being talked as title challengers and, and we're blowing teams away. When we get to that stage, Marty, where we're putting teams away like this, are you, are you actually thinking, could he do this? Could he do this in his first full season? Um... At the time, I, I, yeah, I did get caught up in the, the clock heavy metal football hype um, you know with hindsight hindsight was a wonderful thing you know I think squad wise we were still short um, you think that was the year that obviously Chelsea won it in their squads ridiculous I think that was the first season wasn't it that, that we saw Pep and you know it was just our defence wasn't you know at the back we weren't strong enough um, obviously we had um, the Carrius Mignolet swap that's about the situation so um, you know at the time I probably did think hold on a minute you know yeah, we looked good, but in hindsight, no, we we didn't quite have the squad. Um, I think we relied heavily on Mane that season, um, which is baffling, really, considering we didn't have him the season before. Um, for him to come in and actually be the player we rely on, when you think, you know, we had Coutinho, Firmino, um, and Mane came in first season with the main man, really, wasn't he? Um, and I think Marty, that's kind what, of lack of squad depth. Would that, would that have been down to his pace? Because a lot of people the previous season have spoken about Liverpool's lack of direct penetrating pace and he, and he looked, uh, looked to fix that fairly, fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah, pace was definitely a factor. Um, I think obviously the, you know, Klopp, the big part of Klopp way is transition from defence to attack and for that you need pace. Um, and yeah, Mane obviously was the kind of, he seems like the first cog um, for, for Liverpool for our attacking unit for that. So yeah, absolutely the pace um, and much more. He's a quality, quality operator, isn't he, Mane? You know, he, he, when he's on song, um, you know, he's got pace, he can finish, he can beat a man, you know, he's brilliant. But 
Um, yeah, you know, in hindsight, we were a little bit short, but the, the, the objective was it was always top four. You know, it was always get that top four, and you know, anything else would have been a bonus. Um, so yeah, you know, to, to sum it up, no, I, I don't think we we were ever really sort of serious title contenders due to just the squad in, in, in quite a leaky back four. Yeah, I, I got caught up. I'm being honest with you. Um, I, if I remember rightly, I was at a wedding. Um, suffering from the day before watching Liverpool against Watford and even United fans around me were going this is this is unreal to watch and that's genuine or the United fan and the Arsenal fans they both said this is mind blowing what they're doing um, the, the speed the, the, the work rate the speed the power everything about it so clinical they, they were talking Liverpool up as well so that was when you have some people like that talking them up you, you've every right to do it as a Liverpool fan I suppose uh, Ian you mentioned earlier um, a game I think it was yourself that mentioned the game earlier about Bournemouth um, and this is on the 4th of December and we lose the game 4-3 it probably goes down as when Carrius and the doubts about Carrius come around you know I think we're I think we're 1-0 and 3-1 up in this and we end up losing the 4-3 Um did this show in a little bit of naivety that Klopp may still have about the Premier League and, and how it works or was it just we just weren't good enough on the day and, and it's one of those did you read anything more into it than just one of those days no I do think it was a bit naive I think he could have closed up shop at 3-1 uh, I remember it because I was going to town the day with my mate and I left the house and it was 3-1 and we got a taxi and when we got into town we'd lost and I thought uh, I, I thought like I'd, I'd gone through some sort of shitty twilight zone so I couldn't believe it but yeah it was a bit naive I'd, the players at the time it was still very mentally weak as well so it, as soon as like one step back can be put now we may, if we have a like bad night the other day he makes an error it's a penalty you don't think in the next five minutes he's going to do it again you know they're going to like, get, get the shit together and go, right, we've made a mistake, we're not doing it again. Back in back in those days, we, we were riddled with it, like, mistake after mistake after... If we, weren't, if we weren't scoring, we'd always look fragile mentally as well. And Bournemouth were not a good side. You know I mean? They were okay, but they were not special. And I just think it was a bit naive from Klopp. I think he trusted his players a bit too much at times. I still think he, I still think he can do that. Uh, but it's, not, it's never just one of those days, mate. When you're 3-1 up away to a side, a lower mid-table side, it should never be one of those days. Do you know what I mean? You've caused it yourself. Because they can blow us away. Carrius just went a bit shit, didn't he? I think he gave us like a prelude to what he was about. And uh, he was at fault for the two of the goals. He was definitely at fault for the last goal when he palmed pa- pa- his stick back out. Uh, so I just think it was a, a combination, mate. A bit, a bit of naivety from Klopp. The mental fragility that we had as a squad anyway, which I hope by the looks of things now seems to have gone. And as being, if anything, being a bit arrogant, just thinking this game won. It happens, you know, big sides think they've already won. 3-1 up for a side like Bournemouth, not long to go. You probably do think you've won. Maybe maybe drop down a gear, and when you decide to start scoring, it's hard to, to, to regain the initiative again. So I just think it was a combination of a lot of things. Like, I think Klopp learned a lot about some of his players that day, though. Yeah, I think he learned a lot about his players, but I also think he learned a lot about the league. Um, you know, he's probably looking in Germany going 3-1 up with whatever amount of minutes left. We'll see this out. I think the Premier League kind of 
bit him on the backside that day because no team ever gives up. And if, if no matter what the team is, if you get ahead of steam against you and your players look anyway fragile, you, you'd be taken advantage of. And, and like you said, he learns something about certain players that day. I, I agree with you. Um, I'm just we've about twenty minutes left, so I'm going to move move it along. Grace, I'm going to give you the last bit on the 2016 season, right? Um, the last ten games of the season, after going through a period where we did, we had a very rocky period, the squad, I suppose, and its lack of depth started to show it, tiredness. We are we are we weren't on it. We we really weren't. But in the last ten games, we win six, we draw three, and the one defeat is our home to Palace again. Um, but there's a different style. We start dogging games out. We start. We start being a bit more pragmatic and, and you know, not being as gung-ho. That impressed me in those last 10 games where we were able to change style, get results, and, and Klopp to, I suppose, uh, you know, he he adapts, and he adapts well with the squad that he has. Even though it's not completely what he wants, he adapts really, really well. We finish in fourth place, 76 points, one clear of Arsenal. It goes down to the last day. But Grizz, was that another stage in, in Klopp's, Development as Liverpool manager, where he has to change his style and, and and do something slightly different in order to you know get to the end game and get it done. Sorry, Gav Steamer was sending me some shitty gifts. Okay, well, um, you, you, anyway, you stop. If you read gifts again, I'll, I'll I'll just have to get rid of you. No, I blocked him. Okay, you know blocked him. Yeah, that's fucking the perfect uh, thing to do. Go on. That that, um, that patch, Gav, uh, that last ten games. Uh, really impressed me for the fact that everyone thought Klopp was this heavy metal gung-ho type manager only knows one way to play and you know he had to play like that to salvage our season and rescue our season because as Ian says there is look we can't always have these sort of uh, rose-tinted glasses and say everything's been brilliant and that patch from November to about February where he refused to rotate do you remember there was a lot of uh, controversy, or call it what you want, but so a, lot of, a lot of fans asking for rotation, but he stuck, and as, as, as Ian says, he was very loyal to the players, and that nearly cost him a top four place that season, and he salvaged it and rescued it, and I think that was a brilliant sign of a great manager for me, that he saw where it was going wrong, and he stopped, he abandoned that heavy metal football. And for those, as you mentioned, the last 10 games, he totally revamped our style and became more pragmatic. There were subtle changes in formation, some, even, some more blatant than subtle even. I think at times we even played with a back five or, or totally revamped our midfield and made, it, made us far more difficult to beat. So, as, as Marty said earlier, our target for that season was mainly in the summer to flush out all the turds and he did I remember us getting really good money that summer right talking about turds yeah you guys anyway but um, <laughs> but, but um, he swear to God absolute madman go on yeah, yeah I've lost trail of thought of course you have but he knows our target that season was to get top four, and he he managed to get that top four, you know, by totally sort of revamping his style and even his methodology. And I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant, uh, positive sign of things to come in that that, that end of what what year would that have been? Sixteen, seventeen? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, I have to compose myself here because there's a toilet habits now are uh, are up for discussion. Um. 
Right, I want to move it on again. 2017-18. Um, Marty, I'm going to come to you first. He signed Salah, he signed Solanke, Robertson, Chamberlain. Um, VVD, early June, goes, he brings them to Blackpool, they, they go on the rides, they, they have popcorn and all sorts of stuff, and it just doesn't happen. That's a drama that runs right up until the 24th of August. Um, most notably, Lucas leaves the club. You have the Coutinho saga that kicks off probably a week before the season starts. So it's not the most, it's not the most, you know, uh, I suppose perfect smooth running pre-season you'd be looking for. Does um does an indifferent start of the season, I suppose. But the big one that comes, Marty, is on the 22nd of October, and it's Spurs at Wembley. Um, it's the 4-1 game. Um, for me, this is the biggest watershed in Jurgen Klopp's career so far as Liverpool manager. Forget European nights, forget finals, forget you know signings, anything else. This for me is the biggest watershed moment in in Klopp's tenure as Liverpool manager. Would you agree? Because that day for me, it was make or break for a hell of a lot of players after that. Yeah, um, I think in that little period we just we just we had either just or we were about to lose to City as well. Um, you know, quite heavily. Yeah, he had. Um, this, you know, the beginning of last season was just dominated by the defence, wasn't it? Obviously, the the Van Dyke saga happened. We didn't get him. Um, everyone was kind of screaming at, you know, why are we not getting another centre back? Why are we not getting another centre back? Yeah, it's obviously been a problem area for a few years up to that point. Um, you know, we obviously we really wanted Van Dyke. He was a, we knew then he was a class operator. So if we knew what we knew now, would be even the, the meltdown last summer would have been even worse. Um, but it just, I think it was a, it was his worst defeat. But I think it was stuff that we as fans in Klopp already knew. You know, Dejan Lovren, Mignolet. You know, I, I was it. Um, it was next to to Lovren that day. You know, Matip. Matip. They just, they were just, they're just not good enough as a unit. You know, as a unit. You know, we had this argument you know, a couple of weeks ago with the, the cup game. You know, as a unit, Mignolet or Carrius, Matip, Lovren. Moreno, they're just not good enough. And we knew that at the time. Um, and I think this kind of highlighted to Klopp. I think this is the first time we saw Klopp make a substitution before half-time with Dejan Lovren. And we, I, I certainly thought, all right, fucking hell, he's, he's done. That's it, he is done. He's had it with Lovren. Yeah, he was, um, he, was, he was having a mental breakdown on the pitch. Yeah, Harry Kane, he sat all over him, didn't he? Harry Kane absolutely fucking slaughtered him all over the place and, and he didn't even have to play well this is the worst thing if Harry Kane had an absolute blinder you would just say you know he got the better of him but he didn't do it he was very rash you know he just that one on the halfway line where he tries to win the ball and it goes over him you just think here we go again you know that was exactly what we thought electric going forward but at the back here we go again um, and I think that kind of dawned on Klopp I mean I don't know what his plans were with Van Dijk if he was going to go back in January anyway but I think that was the moment where he said look Enough's enough, we have to change this. And then obviously January comes round and then it all changes with, with Big Virgil. So, But yeah, it was, a, it was an awful day for us, an awful day. It was an awful day, but it, it, now it probably feels like something that had to happen. It feels like yeah. it needed to happen for any of these, not doubts, or any of these people, you know, oh, is he good enough, is he not good enough? And look, in fairness, Van Dijk comes in and, and Lovren plays beside him and is for me, is outstanding for for six months of last last season. Um, but just just moving on through this season, and I, Ian, I'm going to come to you next. But after the after the um, sports game, we go 18 games unbeaten, um, and, and that includes a, a win that, uh, home to 
City 4-3 in the league that puts their unbeaten runs to an end. We actually get beaten away um, on the 22nd of January by Swansea in a 1-0 defeat, which was torture to fucking say the least. Um, we go out of the cup to West Brom. Coutinho leaves. Van Dijk comes in. Um, a lot happens. A lot happens. But this European run is it's just moving nicely, moving nicely. Ian, um, I'm not going to go into it game by game or you know, look at certain players or certain games or certain outcomes. Um, but as you look at the Europa League as opposed to two years previous, and you look at this this one um, just this year, how much enjoyment does this bring to you, Ian, watching the teams that, that, that are dispatching, to be perfectly honest with you, through, through um, Porto, City, Roma, and onto the final as opposed to Real Madrid. But how much enjoyment did you get out of this? How much did you think no, Liverpool are the, are the real deal now? Well, I mean, you know what, this is, I've said it in the past, and this is what I mean by trophies, there's more to football than trophies and medals, and it's memories as well, and you remember how your team was playing, and we were blowing strides away, and I remember we went to Portugal's ground, and they hadn't lost their own in over a year, and we fucking annihilated them at home, and then... Everyone was saying, oh, you, you've got City in the quarterfinals, you're done. And then we just took them to pieces at home. And we were just, the crowd, we, we had we had new songs. Because you do have new songs when your teams are when your teams flying, don't you? They, they go hand in hand. And it, I, I mean, it took me, after, after the final, it took me about two months to, to genuinely start talking about football again. I was distraught. Because I thought we were going to win it. I think we were the best team in the competition, so I thought we were going to win it. Obviously, football is not that not that simple, but mate, in twenty years' time, thirty years' time, we'll talk about those games when we were just smashing teams to pieces and our, our like, you know what I mean? Like, fucking, everyone was terrified of our back three and or sorry, our, our front three, and you, those memories don't go. Do you know what I mean? And if you talk to people from like the previous generation they talk about games against like Saint Etienne and, and games like that and it's it's we didn't win a trophy against Saint Etienne and we didn't win a trophy again when we took City to pieces. But you'll remember that game more I remember that game more than when we beat Arsenal in the FA Cup final or you know, any of like Ulier's like cup wins that I barely remember, do you know what I mean? It's just the the best thing I can say about Klopp and Liverpool at the moment is we're just brilliant it's, it's to watch, you know what I mean? When it, when it works, it works brilliantly. But it's just so exciting. You look at the fixture list and you think, right, who have we got next? Um, there's no trepidation. You can't wait to play them. You don't fear anyone. You're like, right, it's going to click this weekend. We're going to smash them. And, I, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is the best Liverpool side I've seen in 25 years. Seriously. Since we last won the league, this is the best Liverpool side we've had. I'd agree with we you. We now to going against what I've just said, we now need to get a couple of trophies so that the entertainment matches up with the achievements. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just going, just going on to the end of the season, um, and I'm going to get to a couple of bits. So if, if you're worried I'm missing bits out, I'm not. I'm coming back to certain things. I'm just leaving it until the end. Um, fourth place again, uh, 75 points. Um, and it's it's it goes down to the last day. Chelsea, I think, get beaten away at Newcastle, and we win. We win handy against Brighton. But again, Champions League qualification is done. Um, for me, there's progression in the way we're playing, the way we're able to adjust to different styles, teams, tactics, all that sort of stuff. There is a progression. Um, and coming into this season, I, I suppose we'd probably do, you know, at, at around Christmas, our, our lads are, are 
probably one of our podcasts we'll do like a, I suppose, a half-term report on, on this season. But you look at the progression into this season, and I think it's, it's shown again um, the way we're doing things. But, lads, there's 10 minutes left, so there's a couple of topics we want to just touch on before we leave, right? Um, finals is the fourth one. Um, I want to mention City um, in the League Cup. I want to mention, uh, obviously, Madrid in the European Cup, and you have Sevilla in the Europa League final 2016. Uh, there's a narrative going around that Klopp is no good in finals. Um, you know, he, he, he bottles it in finals. But for me, if you look at them finals, um, our own downfall in all three, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, tactically, most of the time it's individual errors. But, Grace, for you, are you worried about this finals thing? Um, do you think, no, we'll, just, we'll get to a final and we'll do it. Um, and it, that narrative will go away. Or is it something that you're genuinely worried about with Klopp? When he, does he lose some of his of, of his belief when he gets into finals? Is, is, is it something that kind of bothers you a little bit? No. Okay. Just now. Okay. No, so, well, no, because I tell you, if you're looking at if you look at it from his Dortmund time, right? There, in, invariably he was in finals against far better opposition far bigger clubs with far bigger budgets. So it was always your Madrid's or your Bayern Munich's of this world, right? So he comes to Liverpool. I tell you, the only disappointment, it was gut, is gutting losing to Madrid, right? But the only one that we could level criticism, naivety, tactical naivety, call it what yeah. you want, would be the Seville one, right? Because I, because I genuinely thought we were on a par with them and we were on the right high as well going into that. We just obliterated United, Dortmund, you know, etc. So that was the only one that you could say he froze or he didn't make the necessary changes at the time. So yeah, you could criticise him. But the others, look, the final against Man City goes to penalties. It's a lottery, right? We And at, at that time, I'm sure City were the champions. You know, Pep had them playing his, 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 his brilliant brand of football. Madrid, Madrid, Madrid. They were going for their what third one in a row. You know, one of the greatest club sides ever. So you gotta, you know, you always get, you always know we got to be context. Everything has to have context, and you know, you gotta look at Klopp's finals in isolation as opposed to sort of a collective problem or a mental issue or a, you know, is he mentally scarred by finals? Or does he freeze? Not at all. And I think, as Ian says. It, it, it's you always look at memories and 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 sort of you always look at trajectories and we're on an upwards and we're still on upwards and that's the only thing you can ask for from your manager from your club from your owners always see that improvement and we've just discussed three years and from that first team and subs bench look where we are now as Ian says we're bouncing into games checking the dates when we're playing next who we're playing next all in the WhatsApp groups we're gonna fucking smash them. Making you know we're talking about everything's positive and everything's upward. So look in terms of final when he wins one, it's one of those ones. You know when he wins that first one, and that's why I was sort of so adamant we we go for the little ones, the whatever fucking cup is called, the, the league cup. <laughs> yeah, the middle cup. I've got a catalog over there. I'm thinking about that. So we got we got to win um we got to win a trophy to sort of you know justify the entertainment. So it leads to success because at the end of the day, the owners, you've got to look at it from the owner's point of view, the owners do want success. And so do the fans. I mean, the fans love the ride. But, you know, just that, just that one trophy would be absolutely amazing. 
Okay. Um, right, I've, I've uh, four topics left, right? Um, I'm going to do them quick for They are the best win you've seen from under Klopp, uh, the worst loss, the best signing, the worst signing. Um, I'll go around the table and I'll include myself in it where we go. So I'll give you, to give you a chance to, um, to have a little think. We'll go with the best win. Um, I'll give you the best win, in my opinion, is City in the European Cup. 3-0, we, we bashed them first half and then we frustrate the life out of them second half. We're a brilliant defensive display, um, shown all sides of our game. Um, Ian, best win for you? Dortmund in the second leg. Yeah, no, that's, that's a I've been, quite, been to quite a lot of games I've never been to, and that's the best atmosphere I've ever been to. Their, their fans, like, added to it as well, but just incredible. Okay. Uh, Marty, best win for you? Probably uh, um, City at home, Champions League, season just gone. I think it was perfect display, three goals, kept out the most potent attack, which is brilliant. Yeah, just so you're with me. Grizz, um, best win for you? Yeah, I've got to be with you, but I can't let Ian down as well. So, in terms of entertainment, he's right. In terms of atmosphere, passion, the Dortmund game, but in terms of tactical performance, everything was just that City game at home was just the perfect home first leg performance. Okay. Um, worst loss. Um, I'm not going to go first on this because I can't think of one. So, Ian, I'll come to you. The worst loss you can think of. I, I should really say Spurs, but I'm going to have to say Madrid because it ruined me. It ruined me, like, but not 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 the worst loss because we we were shocking, just because of our effect of Milan. Okay, Marty, your worst loss. Uh, again, right, you know, I want to say Spurs, but I'd probably go Seville in the Europa League final. I just I just don't think we should have lost that game. I just don't. Okay, Grizz, for you, the worst loss. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a super fan, I'm going to go for the best worst loss, mm. if you know what I mean. So I'm going to go for the Spurs one because that was the, I think that was a turning point in Klopp's, in Klopp's uh, managerial uh, career of Liverpool Football Club. So I'll go for the Spurs loss. Yeah, they're all good shows. I'm going to actually take the 5 nil away to City um, because what killed me about that was that we were the better side. We genuinely were. Um, I'll still to this day argue with anyone that says it's sending off for me it's not um, and I think it, it knocks us and it gives City a, a monumental boost um, it really does you see them winning games last minute and stuff off the back of it and, you know they, they really gave them a push so that for me um, best signing um, Marty I'll come to you first the best signing during Klopp's tenure what would it be? I, I think it's Virgil van Dijk um, but I would make a, a really Strong case for Mane, um, purely to the fact that he came in when we didn't have Champions League football. We weren't a massively attractive proposition apart from Klopp. And he, for me, was probably the most important cog in getting us to where we are now. Um, you know, he came in when we were all right. Um, and, and he was just absolutely sparkling. So I would make a really big case for, for Mane or Van Dyke, probably Van Dyke just, but. Okay, I'm going to take Van Dyke as your final answer. Uh, Ian? Best signing? Van Dijk. Just because, well, for a lot of reasons, but the main one is how much he's improved everyone around him. And I think Mane, Salah, Firmino, whatever, they can all have four games and, and it, you know what I mean, the team seems to suffer. But if Van Dijk has a poor game, it, everyone around him it has improved because he's there. He doesn't see, in other words, he doesn't seem to have a poor game. His presence improves everyone around him. So, no one even talks about 75 million. No one. And that's how good a sign he is. 
Yeah. Grace, for you the best one? Yeah, I done a poll, didn't I? So I left out VVD out of the options because for me it's clearly VVD. It's it's, it's easy. Uh, but out of two and a half, over two and a half thousand votes, people forty percent went with Salah, Mo Salah as, as as his best signing. But and I, I'd 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 like to put in a word for Mane as well, I think, and also. Um, Robert, where you name the squad? Is this the bit yeah. where you name the squad? <laughs> yeah. They do it every context. fucking week. Give it context. Now I go with I go. I, I go with uh, apart from VVD, I go with I go with Salah. All right, okay. Uh, for me, it's Mane. Um, Van Dijk is a, is a, is a good show. It's a great show, but for me, it's Mane because, like I said earlier, he he changes the way we play. He brings that direct, fast pace. He, he changes the whole concept of what Liverpool Liverpool's team is and what way we do things. And off the back of his signing, we go and we add the likes of Salah. And don't get me wrong, Van Dijk was a, an integral signing. But for me, just the change in the way we played and, and the the threat he brought, I, I just edge of money over Van Dijk. Um, but look, when we're, when we're naming names like Van Dijk, Salah, Mane, Robertson, when you're naming all these players, it, it's good to see. It's, it's a good thing when you can't easily pick them. Um, last one, lads, we done a poll on this yesterday, which was the worst signing, and we got a bit of grief because we put Matip in there, and um, that was just after a discussion between a group of us, and, and Matip come up a couple of times because people, just a couple of them don't rate him. Um, but for you, what's the worst signing that he's made, Chris? For me, the worst signing he's made... Uh Carriers. Okay. Yeah, there's not much more to say. Yeah, yeah, no, no context. Here. I need to give context there. Carriers. So he's awful. Start. It's proven so. I have, to, I have to check your contract. You don't have to fucking go on. Look, uh, you know, you, you can just say carriers and leave it at that. It's not I a contract that you have to I do. You started this. asking me more questions. Nanti, you didn't carry on. I just gave you one word answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he needs to shake that bag. Uh, it's forcing its way out of his mouth. Well, I'll tell you something. <laughs> the, o- the only thing I would say is, I, it's a, does anyone want to stay on another half hour? Just for the crack and see what happens, Chris. Uh, we could do it. Steve, Steve was not letting me hear, but two thumbs up, three thumbs up. I'm losing you guys. I'm losing you. There's no reception. I'm losing you guys. Yeah, yeah. Are you in a tunnel? Uh, come here. Um, no, the worst one, Grizz has gone with Carius. Um, I don't think there's any other answer, really. I genuinely don't. Uh, I don't like Matip, but I don't think there's any other answer than Carius. But look, I'll leave it up to the two lads. Ian, is worst one? There is no one after Carius. I hate him. He ruined me like. Oh yeah, he did. He ruined your life. I remember that. I remember that. No, there was two months where Ian's life was ruined. Um, you yeah. couldn't even look at blonde people for about two months. It was mad. Uh, and we got to blonde. It was very awkward. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It, was. it got a bit. It got a bit ropey there mid June. Um, come here, Marty. Are you gonna Are you gonna give us any any advance on uh, on carries? Um, no, I think I have to go with that. But one quick point I just want to make off the back of it. Um, it's just how. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I'm channeling my inner Grizz tonight. I just want to see you shit yourself live. Um, <laughs> one thing I want to add is testament to Klopp is that I think he's the best manager in the world at buying players for his system. I, I don't think there's anyone better than Klopp, apart from when he buys carriers, then he's shambles, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I always I always wonder about carriers if he didn't get that hand injury in the summer of 2016 and, and ends up out. But look... Um, where to now for Liverpool? Look, we're doing well in the league. Champions League is okay. The League Cup, don't worry about it. The FA Cup will come up and, and players will get a game. Um, we're right in the mix. The 
international break is we're in the middle of it, but we're back next week away to Huddersfield, I think, if I remember right. Saturday evening, I think yeah. it might be. Um, but look, that's been a nice chat about Jurgen Klopp uh, the first three years. Um, hopefully there's a good few more to come with trophies and everything else to go along with it. Um, I've been your host, Gav. I thank Marty. Thanks to Ian. Thanks to Grizz. Thanks to Laboon for our intro music. Thanks to Steve for producing. It's been good. Talk to you next Sunday. Over. People say treat yourself like you need a reason. But McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something-something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.